Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Bex. And I'm Laura. And we are the worst gal gang ever. A podcast and platform to support, educate, and empower people through the heartbreaking experience of baby loss. This summer sees us launching our one-of-a-kind pathway to recovery. A course to shine a guiding light through these dark times. To find out more, visit our website, www.theworstgirlgangever.co.uk. Hi guys, it's Laura here. Our interview with Ruth starts off a bit randomly because we started recording prior to the actual interview starting. So um, it jumps straight in with a bit of bants. We thought we'd leave it there just for shits and gigs. Enjoy. And I don't think, I never watch any of your stuff and think, oh, they're just, I just think you're just two people who have been through incredibly painful, difficult things. And you're going, look, guys, we've still got to live a life. We've still got to try and navigate this. I'm really glad that you finished that sentence because you started it by saying, I've never watched any of your stuff. And I was like... <laughs> in fact, I don't even know who you are. Ow. I mean, I'm calling you bloody Laura when your name says Bex. Yeah, anyway, Laura, was, I cut you off with what you drank was... last night. What did you drink? Oh, uh, Prosecco, followed by lager quite a lot. Almost a whole crate lager. of Corona. Ended up on the gym. Corona? Dangerous. And at one point, I had an Archer's. What? Where are you going with that? Did you snog someone by the bike shed as well? God. And then did you try your first cigarette? Holy shit. I was so close to having a fag last night. (laughs) I haven't smoked for almost three years and I was so close last night. Do you reckon you'd have white-eaten if you'd have had one? Probably. Yeah. And I probably would have smoked 20 fags today if I'd have had one yesterday. You'd have just got up and thought, fuck it, I would carry on. I can't like if I start smoking on a night out, that's it. I'll smoke the whole night out. But the next day, right. no, I've never tried a drag of a cigarette in my life. Can you believe? Shut that? up. Never Good. ever. Good for you. Never, don't, never. don't. I mean, don't do it now. There's no. There's literally never no, even no tried point. it. I just have never like been. There's never been any part of me that's thought. Oh, I wonder mm. what that's like. It's pretty disgusting. Are you strictly class A's then. Class A's. <laughs> strictly class A's. I don't even dabble in cannabis. I'm straight. I'm straight into the hard stuff. Heroin a lot. Yeah. Why are we all wiping our noses there? I don't know. The talk of cocaine makes you go, oh, God, have I? What? Oh, dear. Right. How did we get here? I don't know. Well, I didn't do any drugs last night. Laura telling us that she was hanging out of her ass. Yeah. Oh, dear. Right. How did we get here? I don't know. Cool. Anyway. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of The Worst Girl Gang Ever. We are joined by the lovely Ruth Corden. Hello, Ruth. 
Hey. Welcome to um, the studio. Welcome you. to the studio. And uh, we're all wearing the same colour. Yep. Because we yeah. organised it. Yeah. Laura's hanging out her ass, which I presume you already know, unless she cuts this whole bit out, which <laughs> would be unfair because she never cuts any of my bad bits out. Uh, and that's where we are. We're all caught yeah. up. This is it. Yeah. yeah. So, Ruth, mm. tell us, how did you become a member of the worst girl gang ever? So I, my, so my, the, the kind of baby loss that I experienced, this isn't to like play it down or anything, but it was very, very early. I didn't actually even know I was pregnant. Um, Matthew and I went on our honeymoon in January 2013 and we very, very, very quickly fell Hang pregnant. on. Did you get yeah. married in January? No, we got married in we got married on New Year's oh. Eve, twenty twelve. Because that would have been really spooky. Because we got married in January, didn't we? Yeah, we're not married to each other. No, thank you for clarifying. <laughs> we, that's okay. Um, but yeah, you we got both... in trouble though, Bex, didn't you? For talking about your husband. Oh fuck, big time! Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We were well and truly in the dead house. I could tell by that by that story that you did on Instagram that that wasn't a joke, but you were actually like, yeah. He t- he told me through the window as well, you know, and it seems so much worse yeah like he was like I'm pointing now I know you can't see that because it's but he was like you been listening pointing to his ears chatting podcast and I was like (gasps) (laughs) I don't think you said anything that bad no (laughs) so yeah so we went on our honeymoon and we, we I think I think the really interesting thing about like my experience of miscarriage was I didn't even know so I woke up and I'd completely flooded our bed like there was just blood everywhere and I was like what it looked like something out of a horror movie and I was like what the hell this is and I went to the doctor and she took a urine sample and you know there was kind of the proteins that you would find and she said look I don't know how pregnant you were probably very early stages but you were pregnant and it was it's actually quite I sailed then into 2013 thinking, oh, God, this is it. We're just going to be fine. Like, you know, we're just going to get pregnant again. It happened first time. This is amazing. Like, we Mm. went on our honeymoon, not using contraception. Here we go. We weren't even trying. Yeah. Yeah. We were just (laughs) so relaxed. And and yet here we are in 2021. Never been pregnant again, as far as I know. Not even, not, not, nothing since. No, we've never, ever had a positive pregnancy test um and I think it's really interesting isn't it because I don't I don't often think the grief of childlessness is taken seriously and I know that's quite a deep heavy thing to say but I think lots of people think they can comment on childlessness in a kind of like your your whether you have a baby or not, your life still has meaning. And it's e- it's easier to say that mm-hmm. when the, when you're on the other side of the story and you've got your baby. Totally. And I, I would never, ever, ever profess to know anything about baby loss other than I look back at, I still think about that baby. Yeah, of course And think, do. God, like we would have a, we'd have a school aged child now. Mm-hmm. But what I, what I do know is that the grief that, that the people in my situation carry is never ever in my opinion taken seriously and the grief that we manage and the kind of left out places that we feel and it it is easy to say to somebody oh but your life still has so much meaning sorry gotta go gotta go and pick my kid up from the birthday party 
without really understanding as a woman how does your life have meaning how how do you navigate the conversations that all my friends have now Mm -hmm. how do you navigate the not really understanding sleepless nights um how how do you how do you exist in a world where the rhetoric for women is you haven't really made it until you've been a mum yeah so I think that the the grief that us in this like we are infertile and we are childless is is often massively underestimated and that's quite hard sometimes because you think you know my my story is we still don't have children and yet I find myself in this community surrounded by other people who are saying, yes, we still don't have children, but also yeah. surrounded by a lot of people who have said, we we went on the journey, we did the treatment and it worked. Yeah. Um, mm. So, I, I, I mean, I think about that. Matthew and I talk about that child a lot and like who it would have looked like and would it have been a boy or a girl and what would it, his personality have been like and... And I think when you find yourself still not parenting, I don't know the the sort of hole that that pregnancy that, you know, wasn't really a pregnancy was essentially, I suppose, a very late period. But the doctor said, you know, we think you were pregnant. Mm -hmm. The, The hole that that leaves sort of gets bigger and bigger and deeper and deeper as you kind of go on and on and on. Yeah. Yeah. Would yeah. you rather have retrospectively? Would you rather have not known yes, that you were pregnant? Definitely, you? yeah. You know, and I think what 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 follows after that experience is lots of well-meaning people saying, "Well, at least you know you can get pregnant." That mm. old, like, oh fuck know, off, old, at least, yeah. yeah. At least you know that everything's fine. Well, actually, and then you think, well, no, here we are now in twenty twenty one, and everything clearly isn't fine. Yeah. Um, but I think it's. It's that like conversation. I remember so many of my friends after it happened saying, well, look, this is great because you can get pregnant. And obviously getting pregnant doesn't really mean anything because it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to end up with the baby in your arms. No, And so it, it, it is like, okay, yeah, cool. We can get pregnant and then we can cross our fingers and have white knuckles for nine months thinking, what if this isn't our story? Um, and I think the anxiety that that evokes is is horrendous for couples to deal with. But I think that is talked about quite a lot. And that is something that is recognised and understood, as is, you know, the other parts of infertility. Yet childlessness is just like we can sort of we can say this stuff. Because we don't have to live it. So we can yeah. tell that community that you're you're doing amazingly and your life has meaning and it's fine on the sense of, well, thank God we don't have to live that. So I've, I've sort of started having, getting more passionate about how do we help couples think about their grief that is ongoing because they don't have the baby. And that is what it is really. It's, it's a, an absolutely heartbreaking experience that on some days is like, it's a breeze on other days god it feels so heavy it feels so hard it feels so difficult to navigate and to manage Mm. so my my experience of losing a pregnancy is quite unusual and then I think as far as I know I've never gone on to be pregnant ever again which makes that 
like whatever happened in that moment I'm like god that was so special like that was so magical yeah. must have there must have been something really poignant about what happened in that moment because that for us as far as we are aware has never ever ever happened again it just as the time went on it must have just gained significance as yeah. you say and yeah. then something that you maybe didn't write off but you as you said earlier you thought oh lucky us you know wham bam thank you ma'am hey swing from the chandeliers yeah (laughs) and then and then you wake up surrounded by chandeliers rather than chandeliers yeah because i'm from i'm from a very posh posh area does anyone call them chandeliers me (laughs) god wow you are posh (laughs) yeah um, oh, you went for afternoon tea. Even <laughs> as chandeliers came out of my mouth, I thought, "Fuck!" Admittedly, I thought it was going to be Laura that picked up on it, but yeah. So anyway, you went for afternoon tea. Did you say scones or scones? I said chandeliers <laughs> because <that's, laughs> she said, forget, oh, okay. these, "Forget these scone scones. I want to see the chandeliers." But yeah, <laughs> show me the chandeliers. <laughs> I will just wait. Eat. One would like to swing from them and try and make a fucking baby, please. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, when you were swinging from the chandeliers, oh, I sounded a bit pissed then. Um, but that's cool because all posh people sound cool when they're yeah. Um, you as you said yourself earlier, you know, you went on this honeymoon and you fell pregnant, and you yourself must have thought when you found out that you were no longer pregnant, oh, at least I know I can get pregnant. Oh, that because was you've done I it the first time. About. Yeah, and then every single month was like, it's definitely, and then you know, like, look. My diagnosis was just shit because I'm fat. And like, that's the other complexity of my story is that I was just told by doctors for so long, just go and lose weight, just go and lose weight, just go and lose weight. And I did. And I probably did more damage to my body in losing five stone rapidly Mm. and nothing changed. And then I, you know, I had an awful consultation with an NHS uh, consultant who told me I should get a gastric band. That was his answer to me getting pregnant. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and he told Matthew that he definitely wasn't the problem because he had absolutely fantastic sperm. Oh, good, yeah. oh, wonderful! And he was just and and so what? What then? What then? When I when I went through my really really like darkest hours, and I think what lots and lots of fat women feel is this overriding shame yeah. of like, I'm not well, I'm not worthy of having a baby because yeah. I've damaged my body so much because I've you know the rhetoric that society says fat people are lazy and fat people just eat takeaways and you know I've done this to myself and that 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 baby that existed yeah. wouldn't have got wouldn't have grown into a into a baby and it wouldn't have been born anyway because you know fat people have miscarriages and you know and I think this the kind of shame that we feel and, and guilt I know as well. yeah and so many yeah. women message me saying I've just come out of a con- consultation and I just feel so ashamed and so oh. lonely and so sad because and I understand it right the NHS have not got enough money they have to put cuts on it they you know what how how can we possibly fund completely free healthcare for the whole country mm. you know on the on the national health service and the income tax we pay we can't because as people are living longer the NHS is a wonderful idea and I love it dearly but as people are living longer and getting more complex conditions they've got yeah. to cut money somewhere and the easiest people to cut it from is fat people and old people and infertile people but I just think there's so many people who just the shame that people feel around their body and 
that it is their fault. So then I just started to think, well, I remember I had a really, really dark period where I just thought that baby wouldn't have survived anyway because it's my fault that we can't get pregnant Mm. and it's my fault because my body is the way that it is. So it sort of grew in momentum for me and it it's it stuck with me for so long and I still have times where I think about what that child would be like now but it's definitely less because I think I've done so much I've worked so hard to like manage this grief I've worked so hard to get to the stage in my life where I'm like this is not going to define me Mm. this is not going to be the be all and end all of my life and I refuse to let it rob me of stuff but in really dark times, I would I would just say, well, it, you know, perhaps it was for the best that it was so early. And and then you think, God, how can you possibly think like that? Like, mm. you know, ha- and it was, I suppose, me just sort of appeasing myself that, that you know, the best thing happened and because of yeah, my way. Trying to soften the blow, isn't it? Yes, we do it. We do it to ourselves yeah. and people do it to us as well. Yeah. And yeah. then it's much harder to take. Yeah. I think it's like, do you feel that you were written off before you were even, like by doctors definitely. because of your weight, you were written off before you even got through the door almost? Yeah, definitely. And I remember when we went to our uh, consultation in January 2018, five years after that awful flooding of the bed and five years of banging on my GP's door and saying, there's something not right. Mm. We finally got this, like, what felt like, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow and I was like this is amazing this is amazing I was so naive and I walked in and this guy was just like you know well you're too fat and you're too I mean I was too old as well I was 35 and I was classed as too old what Um, but you pin all your hopes on that appointment don't you especially when you've been waiting all that time oh my god I pinned every single we both did it was like this is it this is the opening we're going to get some answers. We're going to get some yeah. help. We're going to get some treatment. And by the end of it, he was telling me I should go and get a gastric band. And I was bawling my eyes out. And he was saying, you had to weigh me. And I was saying to him, why have you got to weigh me? You've already told me my BMI is too high. Why the hell have you, you know, and he, and the nurse refused to weigh me. But it, it was just like, and then after that, I mean, the it was so bleak. It was so dark. Yeah. We, yeah, it was, a, it was a really, really, really difficult like 18 months to follow. what do you do when you leave that appointment and that's what that's that's the only advice that you're given yeah what, what were you thinking were you I like, just cried the whole yeah. way home I just felt so ashamed and I just felt like I had let Matthew down like I just remember saying to him because that thing of that consultant saying to me well you're with him well you're clearly not the problem you've got fantastic sperm that would like ring in my head mm. and I'd just yeah. be like god go and just have a baby with someone else like yeah yeah you know just there's no point you sticking around in this why would you be here like and you know you get all of those comments from people who don't know what's going on what are you waiting for Matthew would make a fantastic dad and you're like yeah fuck you yeah and I would just say to him I'd be like bawling my eyes out and I'd just be like you'd be a you'd be a dad by by now if it wasn't for me and he would he would say you can't say that you don't know that's true and I would just be like I know but you know your, your chances would be much higher and and I think fat fat people off the subject a little bit but fat people grow up with a lot of shame around them all their life anyway yeah yeah I'm not I'm not going to Mm. bow down to this narrative anymore but I think in the in the fertility sphere 
that added dimension because even private clinics i mean the last private clinic in the uk that had no bmi limit has just put a bmi limit in because they so much pressure was put on them to do it oh yeah every clinic in the uk has a bmi limit so what do you do yeah because desperately trying to get pregnant and people do get pregnant with high bmis yeah and successfully carry a baby yeah and that's the thing i said when i chatted to the fertility show a few weeks ago if i'd have walked into that consultation a size 12 i'd have been told i had polycystic ovarian syndrome which is a medical condition because i walked in not a size 12 considerably larger than that i was told yeah you got pcos but it's really because you're fat but that's it like that that is your consultation lose weight and it'll all happen it'll all like it'll all work fine and so what did what what did you do? You said you lost, I lost five, five stone. Was that after that? Yeah, and nothing really changed. My periods didn't really change. And then I went a few years ago because I was my periods were incredibly heavy, incredibly painful. And then a couple of years ago, ago I got a diagnosis of endometriosis as well. Okay. Not not particularly like high stages, but yes, there's definitely endometriosis there. And lost five stone nothing really changed my periods and then what do you do like you go on that cycle don't you which ruins your body even more which is lose a shed load of weight nothing changes eat more put on more weight than you did before actually put it back on again yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah, even more than you lost so I think and then when you're I suppose then living in that sphere where you're childless there is a real shame actually that you're like well if I was thin maybe I wouldn't be and what I've started to say to myself is no I have medical conditions that would have been the case Mm -hmm. whether I was fat or thin Mm. and loads of women in big bodies get pregnant naturally have successful pregnancies and have babies and loads of women in thin bodies don't get pregnant naturally don't have successful pregnancies and don't have babies yeah so whatever I've been told by medical professionals I do have to discount it. It's absolutely crazy. And the, the the thing that must compound your situation is what we talked about right at the beginning is the fact that you must have this overwhelming grief at being childless, not by choice. And then people say every day, when are you going to have a baby? Yeah. When are you going to have that? How yeah. do you fucking navigate that? Because it's every day. It must be, you know, it's, that's not something that someone says once. That's, no. that's the norm. That is the social yeah. norm that yeah. when you get married... And you're living in, in uh, as husband and wife, yeah. the next stage is babies. And I've, I just think that must be such an incredibly difficult thing to deal with on such a frequent basis. Yeah, I've just started mm. saying to people, I can't have kids. And then they're like, oh, oh, God, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, it's OK, you don't need to say sorry. Because I think if we start, you know, it's like the person that's single, isn't it? And I, I also feel like, God, what's it like to, to be childless and single and not know whether you can actually have children? Mm-hmm. And have yeah. lived through navigating singleness, even if singleness is a choice, and then thinking, okay, well, I'll go and get, I'll go and get treatment myself, and that doesn't work. Like navigating all of that, single, you know, you get the double whammy, don't you? When are mm. you going to get married yeah. or settle down with somebody, and when are you going to have? Don't kids? leave and it I too just, long because you've got to have yeah, kids. Exactly. Yeah. I also think it's like three questions, isn't there? What do you do for a living? 
<laughs> like what's your relationship status and have you got children yeah. and all of those are shit aren't they because it's like yeah. well, no I just lost my job I'm just at the beginning of a divorce and we're getting divorced because we couldn't have kids thanks very much for that you know triple threat of yeah. questions yeah, you yeah, just yeah, asked yeah. me there so when people say do you have children or are you gonna I, I've started saying no I can't have kids and then every then like you see their face it will turn gray and they're like oh god I'm so sorry and you just and I just say it's okay you don't need to say sorry it's just you know, it's part of life. It's it's tough. It's really difficult, but it wasn't meant to be. Because I think if we can kick, if if there are people of us, if there are some of us in this like horrible existence that can kick back to those people to say, think yeah. twice before you ask that. Yeah, because yeah. I'd have been yeah. the person nosy. Yeah, because I'd have been the person two three years ago that would have said oh we don't want them or we're not ready got in my car and bawled my eyes out all the way home Mm. so if I can be mouthy enough to say actually think twice before you ask that question Mm -hmm. in future because there are people out there you know that can't have children or might have just lost a baby or might have just had a miscarriage or might be have one child and be desperate for another like you have no idea and I I just think and that's the same with my story like I searched everywhere for my story when I was going through it and I couldn't find it. And I just thought, God, I can be mouthy enough with this. I can be gobby enough to kind of share this and not feel the shame. And I think there's power when we tell our story, isn't there? Because there's somebody else in the room that goes, Oh God, I've been there. Yeah. I felt that too. Yeah. And so I think, and I get, I get, I'm so fortunate. I get lovely messages from people saying, oh, your story's really helped me. And like, mm. you know, I, especially from women in bigger bodies who are like, it's so hard. And, you know, fat people don't really see themselves reflected in society anywhere, really. Like we're not really on TV much. Mm. You know, we're not really in glossy magazines. And so I think when there are people who are in bigger bodies who do do that stuff and who do openly talk about the things they've been through, it makes other women especially feel less alone. Yeah, and then people will get braver at speaking about it, won't they? Yeah. But where do you think this, why do you think that is? Why are bigger people not featured in magazines on television? Because I don't think we're seen as attractive. Honestly, straight up, like I think, you know, the reason the Wonder Bra model was picked was because, and it's, you know, look, God, bloody hell it comes back ultimately to white middle-class men who run the country isn't it like no nobody in the patriarchy is going oh let's put this fat girl on the bit on the billboard Mm. because that's not throughout society what has been seen as attractive and so I think there's this there's this automatic narrative that you know you can't be fat and sexy you can't be fat and beautiful you can't you know you can't be fat. Like I remember when we had Lisa Riley on our podcast and she was like pegged when she did Strictly as the fat girl that would go out after round one, you know, she'd be like Anne Widdicombe because she's fat, because she was fat at the time. You know, you can't be fat and dance. And so there's just this overriding narrative and then that seeps into the medical profession and then that seeps into those of us that haven't been able to grow our family. It's just like... It's an easy, it's an easy peg, yeah. isn't it? It's easy yeah. to say, mm. well, it must be because you're fat. It's it's like lazy and easy, especially from a medical perspective. Yeah. It's so lazy. So lazy. Yeah. Like they didn't run any tests on you. No. That's shocking. No way. So they did when they diagnosed me with polycystic ovarian syndrome, but that took five years. 
So I went five to years yeah, I went before to you had a test because years. of fundamentally the way that you look. Yeah. So for five years, I was just banging on my GP store. I was like, I haven't had a period for 90 days. Oh, it's because of your weight. Okay, cool, fine. And then, it, you know, I'd go back and I'd be like, my, I'm still bleeding and I've been bleeding now for like 20 days. Yeah, it's because of your weight. Okay. And then I just stumbled across a GP at my, at my surgery who said, hmm, this isn't right. I, and she looked back at my history and she said, I want us to do hormone tests I want you to go for a scan and then that's when I got diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome and then I went back and I was like my periods are horrendous they're so heavy I pass huge clots like they're awful I can't cope they're becoming debilitating yeah it's because you're fat and then I went private and I got a diagnosis it's shocking, isn't it? So you basically had to pay for people to take you seriously. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And you know what this is it, I hate this so much because I never got periods when I was when I was a kid like I had one at 11 and then not again and every time I went to the doctor as like a young teenage girl as well Mm. being paranoid that I would have struggles with my infertility and Mm. all the rest of it and having to go and explain it to a new doctor every time and every time it was a complete luck of the draw whether you'd be taken seriously or not and then I'd be like the occasional period I have would be like horrendous Mm. and then I go back to the doctor and explain it again and I remember the the last time I went to see a doctor they said would you want to be pregnant now at the age of like 14 15 or whatever and just being like well no but I just you know I I'm really worried about the and they're Mm. like wow we're like so patronizing like when you're ready to have a baby you try for a year (laughs) and then if you still if still nothing happens then you come back Mm. And then we see what we can do then. And from that, like, I was so scared of that sort of thing that all my future relationships I went into being like, I don't know if I should say anything to Mm. them because I just didn't have periods. And it's just like being not taken seriously by the medical profession who we are grow. Like it's part of our narrative growing up to trust the police and, and medicine, you know, we, that's, that's what we do. That's what we taught and that's what we learn. And then to have that ripped away, like it makes you sort of doubt a lot of other things that have been really fundamental in your childhood. Yeah. And I hate that made me feel as a kid so unsafe. Yeah. In terms of, of what I could believe in. And 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 I think, yeah. And I think it's like, you know, there's so many stories of, 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 doctors gps missing serious stuff for people because they're overweight and actually if you put me in a lineup of people you would probably point me out as the unhealthiest but you don't know you like you don't know and this whole like new thing of health of health at every size and how do we get away from bmi and how do we get away from that being the marker of true health which it which isn't um you know, th- there's so much that has been tied up in if you're fat, you are lazy. And I'm like, God, you know, if I'm lazy, <laughs> bloody hell, I don't mm. I like it. You know, there is nothing about me that I would ever even class as lazy. But because yeah. of what I look like, that is what people would instantly think about me. So and I think, you know, look, that added into this already horrendous system to navigate and that and I would say there's a there's a big part of me that would say I think that's probably why we've never had fertility treatment 
um because we could go into europe and europe is it's a very different sphere and it, yeah. you know it, it's bmi is very doesn't really exist there and it's very different and but i just think i've been kicked so hard yeah. by the medical pro- profession for the last well since 2013 really that i just it it broke me i'm so terrified yeah. and i know that ivf is a very very cruel lottery you roll your dice mm-hmm. and you hope for the best um and I suppose a little bit like what I said at the at the beginning this like childlessness grief although I I often feel like we're not taken hugely seriously it's a grief I'm learning how to navigate and it's a grief I'm learning how to to live and, and yeah and, walk and, with. and you'll have yeah, exactly you have to sort of just go with it and roll with the punches because yeah. when you decide to stop trying it doesn't all of a sudden switch off no. that grief, does it? No. Because like you say, and like Beck said, every day there are constant reminders. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, we stopped trying so much. This isn't the case now. We're not using protection now. But we, when we moved into our house at the end of 2019, I was so done. I was, I was like, January 2018 to the summer of 2019 was incredibly dark. It was awful. I mean, I my mental health was, oh, my gosh, it was horrendous. It was so low and we bought a house in in the summer of 2019 and it was like a new start for us and I felt like it was something that Matthew and I kind of owned together and then at the end of of 2019 I said to Matthew I I just can't do this anymore I feel like I'm on a hamster wheel that I can't get off of Mm. and I don't know how to navigate this and I don't know what to do and we we used protection for probably 12 months we used condoms because I had I had to like I had to say that that season of mm. my life is finished mm. and I've got to go into something new and I have got to find myself again and I've got to remember the joy of life and, you know, I feel like I was robbed in that kind of 18 months of so much stuff. There were mm. so many things I said no to because I was so unhappy and I was so depressed. I just got to the stage where I was like, Matthew, I can't do this trying thing at the moment. Like I just yeah. can't. Every single it's month. It's obsessive, isn't it? Yeah. And every single month we had sex, I was like, well, I'm definitely pregnant. And, you know, you're told at school, if you have unprotected sex, you will make a baby. Mm. <laughs> so <laughs> we've had unprotected sex multiple times this month. We must have made a baby. And I just got to the stage. And I know, I know I have stopped my period coming by telling myself I'm pregnant. I know that because I have had cycles that have been so long and then I've done a pregnancy test and I've come on my period that afternoon and I know it's because my body has happened to me so many times because I think our bodies just go okay yeah she believes it now hypervigilant like checking all the time and I just I know that I am convinced I've stopped my period coming by telling myself in my head I must be pregnant I must be because there's been so many times that I have just like completely yeah like I've done a pregnancy test first thing that morning and by lunchtime I've started my period and I'm like oh god okay here we go again yeah um yeah. and I Mind know it's amazing of, yeah and what I know for do. lots of people that like I've had lots of people say to me like how did you do that like every month when you were using protection were you not just thinking oh my god that's another month that's another month and I just I just could I just got to the stage where I was like this is too tough now. This is too yeah. difficult. The darkness is too big. It's too overwhelming. 
And it was honestly the best thing we ever did. It was the most cathartic, like there was, I didn't have any worry if we had sex, Mm. it was because we wanted to have sex. It was about enjoyment of what sex was. I didn't then go into that month being like, I mean, the first couple of months, it was interesting because I would be like, oh, maybe the condom broke. You know, it does. People do use condoms and still get, you know, still get pregnant. And then as time went on, I was just like, well, no, you know, we are putting a barrier in place to stop that. And I had to. It was the only way that I could have got through that, I think. It was the only way that I could have left behind what had been such a difficult few years Mm -hmm. and move into something new. And I definitely am not sat here now going, life now is fantastic. I've left all that behind. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm sat here going, I've got some of myself back. Yeah. I feel much more able to navigate this. I feel much more able to see what's ahead. I feel positive about what the future could hold. Um, but I don't feel, and there's some days, God, there are some days where I'm just like, I would give anything, anything to have a baby. I'd give anything to be pregnant. I'd give anything. Yeah. But then there are other days where I'm like, actually, I've got a really good life. Yeah. And one thing Matthew and I have started to be doing is more intentional about, you know, saying out loud if we get to do stuff. Difficult in the last year because we've lived in a pandemic. But, yeah. <laughs> but like mm. if we get to do stuff that we wouldn't have done, if we had children, we say it out loud. Yeah. You know, we mm-hmm. say like, God, we wouldn't be doing this. We wouldn't be doing this if we had kids. Like we wouldn't be spontaneously going away to see friends or going out for a meal at the drop of a hat or spending money that we want to spend on stuff if we had children. And I think that is one of the things that we have found the most helpful is that yeah, when you speak that stuff out, there's a a gratitude and a joy that you start yeah. to find in your everyday life. Yeah. I can imagine that. That's like we had um, an episode with Sharla, who's our gratitude. Uh, yeah, I've just started following her. She's ace, isn't she? Mm. She's, she's so ace. cool. Yeah, she's yeah. and she looks like Drew Barrymore. Yeah, and I, I always say that, and I don't know yeah. why, and I she sound does. like I fancy her, but I, and I suppose I do it, in it. a way. Yeah, own it. Just don't. Yeah, it. she always because looks great think, in her lippy, doesn't she? She always looks great, right? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, my it. lodger. I'm Neil. owning it. I'm owning it. Yeah, the lodger did her gratitude course last week. Oh, did she? Yeah, she said it was amazing. I love the yeah. fact that your lodger is called Lil, Lil the Lodger. Yeah. LTL. We actually call her weird old auntie Lil the Lodger. That's quite the title. It's a mouthful. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. So what I was saying about Drew Barrymore <laughs> yeah. was that she, when we had her on our podcast, it really flipped the picture for me because I spent the first half of the podcast thinking, well, yeah, okay, gratitude is great. And then she told her story, mm. which was be- about being childless, not by choice. Mm. And I was like, fuck, man, you really know what you're talking about. Mm. And just the fact that she turned things around to a to a point where she could, for example, notice the colours in yeah. a sunset and yeah. just be like, do you know what? This is, this is a beautiful thing that I've noticed today. I think yeah. it's phenomenal and it kind of sounds like that's what you and Matthew were doing in terms of your we wouldn't be able to do this if you and I think there's a huge power in recognizing something but actually recognizing it not just mentally but recognizing it saying it or recognizing it writing it down and saying it to each other as well yeah and the the podcast that I do with my sister god when we first started started that in the early days before we had somebody that edits it edits it for us 
we oh, all right all right someone's doing well drop that in there <laughs> we, we we I never would have been doing that I mean my sister's got two children but they're 18 and 15 so you know her life is much freer now than it's ever been it's interesting because Angie and I were having this exact conversation just like a couple of days ago there's so much that's that's happening for us that would not be happening if I had little kids running around because we just mm. wouldn't be able to dedicate the time to it and this is what I mean by when people say your life still has purpose with or without children and they've got their baby in their arms. Mm. I find that so difficult because I'm like, don't you dare. I yeah, wouldn't definitely. ever talk about baby loss. I wouldn't ever talk about that grief like that. I wouldn't ever talk about stillbirth or babies that die. I would never do that because I don't have that lived experience. Mm. So don't tell me that my life has purpose when you're off to, to do your parenting stuff. Yeah, And I think, what felt like plan b for such a long time potentially could have always been plan a and I do have to stop and be grateful and find the gratitude and the joy in my life wherever I can because that's the only thing that keeps us going yeah that's the the only thing that means that we get out of this one life that we have and that's the other thing isn't it I could I could spend my days looking over my neighbor's garden fence going I want that piece of grass and I get there and it's just grass and I'm like it's got the same shit tied up in it just different Mm -hmm. and I think that whole like easy sentence comparison is the thief of joy is absolutely spot on because when I compare my circumstances to my neighbors I forget what I've got in front of me and that has been a hard, hard lesson for me to walk through. It has felt like a house fire at times. Yeah, I definitely have the scars to show for it. But that gratitude, that level of I'm not going to look over my shoulder anymore because it doesn't do me any good. Mm-hmm. It doesn't do me any good. I'm going to look at what I've got in front of me. You know, and in amongst all of our like infertility stuff, it came out that Matthew had a secret drug addiction. So we have really like walked, walked the fire. You know, we have, we have really like the two of us, you know, he racked up thousands of pounds on a nasty cocaine and cannabis habit. Oh man, I feel really bad about the class A. And now you're doing that earlier. It was five years ago. Okay, we don't okay. Care. We don't give a shit. Right. And he's five years clean and he's 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 remarkable and he's been on such a journey with it. And he, you know, he's You've been but, to hell and back as a Yeah, couple, and so now you? when I think when I talk about being out the other side, I don't do it in like a conceited, oh look, I've done it kind of way. I just do it in a way that says, honestly, honestly, finding the gratitude in life is the best thing we can do. Mm. And who knows, flipping neck, who knows what what we've got to deal with. If, if last year's taught us anything, it's like nobody knows what's around the corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just like, just go for it. Just, just find the things Enjoy in your life. Enjoy where you're that, at. Yeah. Exactly. Find the things think, in your life that bring you joy and go for it. This yeah. is like such a huge thing. And when I, obviously, completely non comparative, but when I've been through the darkest times of my life, it has taken me a lot to do things like delete social media yeah. because you can't help but compare yourself to Absolutely. others. And as you yeah. say earlier, what did you say? You said something really cool. Comparison, Comparison is, is the... the thief of joy. Yeah. I mean, gosh, that is so true because if you're constantly looking at other people and what they're doing and how their journey is, and, and also it's a fucking lie. Oh, yeah. Most, most yeah. people lie all the time about what they're doing. Right? Even in parenting, comparison, comparison is a thief of joy. And I think 
there's this like it's almost like parenting is put on this pedestal of like when I get there that's it and you get there and you're like this is still really tough yeah Yeah. because I'm still trying to navigate how I care for a little person and I'm still trying to make sure I'm doing the right things and I'm still walking this like journey of how desperately I longed for you and I'm still dealing with all of the aftermath of that and I think you know even in parenting in marriages you know in every single walk of life yeah. we are taught to want what our neighbors got on them yeah a hundred percent and and then we're taught like oh when I get this then I'll be happy yeah. when I get this then yeah. I'll be if I go yeah. on that holiday then I'll be That's happy it. when I've got that promotion then I'll be happy and then you get there and you work and then and then suddenly the goalpost has moved yeah and you're another hundred meters off and yeah. you go instead of going well, like, I'm just gonna be fucking happy now you yeah. go oh Oh, I didn't realise that they'd moved. I'll, yeah. I'll go, I'll keep going. And yeah. And then, oh my gosh, it's just I wasted crazy. years of my life doing that. Yeah. Just completely wasted, ruined, ruined yeah. years. Just and I think, what other I think as, as women, we are taught to do that. Like, yeah. I think we are taught to look at what our friends have got on their plate and go, oh God, if only I had that one. If only I had that. And I, and mm. I think it's so detrimental to relationships. It's so detrimental yeah. to um ourselves our marriages our family life our friendships because if we just start to go oh you know I would love to have that but it wasn't it wasn't what was you know meant it's hard me. though it's so hard to hard. do that when you're we're in so the darkest depths of it all absolutely it's and like, that's why I don't sit here saying this going oh god aren't I amazing I just am saying that having walked through all of that stuff mm. I I am so grateful. I mean, I'm grateful that Matthew's still alive. Yeah. Like, mm. He could have died. If if his drug addiction hadn't come out when it did, he could have ended up dead mm. or in prison. And so I think I'm so grateful that he is still here and that we're still married and that we've got each other. And don't get me wrong, there are some days where I find it so hard and I struggle so much and I spend most of the days in day in tears and... I said on one of my Instagram posts recently, like sometimes it feels like a label sticking into you. You know, that's what childlessness yeah. is. Some days mm. you don't notice it. And then there's other days you put the jumper on and you're like, oh, God, that label's a bit scratchy and a bit itchy today. Um, and you just have to, it's like peaks and troughs of navigating when the label digs in a bit differently. And what do I need to do to kind of soothe myself and help myself? Mm. And yeah, I'm you know I don't know whether Matthew and I will ever have children in our life I think we both swing between this is it forever and should we foster or and or should we adopt and I think that will be an ongoing conversation for us but I think the the narrative that we find ourselves in at the moment is actually there's been an awful lot of hurt for the last however many years and at the moment we just need to do a bit of healing and figuring Mm. out what's helping Mm. and we just need to sort of yeah reconnect with ourselves and with each other a bit yeah and you know that is sort of the space that we're in at the moment really thank you so much for being so honest about your journey and I hate that I hate that word journey journey what's your journey journey oh my god It has but been it is, lovely to chat to you. What we were saying right at the beginning is that you do, when you have the um, the honesty and the ability to be open about your story, you do help others. Yeah. And that's been the biggest surprise for me yeah. is how many people say things like, you've given us a voice. and yeah. you've given, Because I'm mouthy 
and I don't really think about speaking my mind. Yeah. But people aren't like that yeah. generally. Yeah. And I just think that the, the fact that you can sit here and say, this is who I am, this is yeah. how it feels, is so amazing and powerful. Yeah. So just, yeah, thank you so much for doing oh, that for, for everyone. Keep doing what you're doing. And you guys, you 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 own and create such a space in this in this realm you you know you are so naturally gifted at talking about this stuff in a way that I think lots of other people can't honestly I genuinely believe that and I think the subjects that you that you tackle can feel so heavy Mm. that it's difficult to navigate whereas I think you two bring a very appropriate um lightness with without without discounting people's grief I don't think you do it in a way that says there isn't space for this here I think you do it in a way that says of course there's space for this here but we can also still try and find the joy and still try Mm. and think about how we navigate life so honestly I think the space that you hold is so vitally important for this community I genuinely mean that Thank, Thank you. you so much. And you will be our lifelong friend now, though, yeah? Oh, yeah. Oh, God, this yeah, is okay, it now. Cool. We didn't, we didn't send you the contract. Up, but... I actually want to meet up with you two. We're, like, now re- Where do you live? live? You say that. You know we're not... Cu- you, you, you can't say that for much longer and be no, safe I, well, in the knowledge I just said now restrictions, are lifted, now restrictions oh, are lifted. Okay, cool. Are you Where free you tomorrow? <laughs> we're interviewing Ruth Jones for our podcast tomorrow. Are you? Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. Fun. Um, I live in Buckinghamshire. Okay, okay that's fine. We can oh. make that happen. Where do you live? I practically yes. own Buckinghamshire. Do you? Yes. No, her surname's Buckingham. Oh, Buckingham. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so where do you guys live? I'm I Kent. live. I live in Sussex. Sussex, Kent. Kent, right? We can make this work for sure. Yeah, well, yeah. it's gonna happen. Well, yeah. Thank you so much for, uh, for having on. me. Honestly, Pleasure. sorry I was a bit late, but thanks so much. It's all right, we, we nearly wrote you off. Oh, yeah, you nearly <laughs> off. very, very different. Yeah, you very see our different personalities <laughs> there. <laughs> it's totally fine. We nearly wrote you off. We never want to see you again. <laughs> Ruthless. Did that, yeah. Good one. Right, anyway. Thank you so much. Have a great week, guys. Let's stay in touch, yeah. Let's let's make a hangout. I'd love to hang out with you two. I reckon. Oh, come to our Christmas party. Yeah, when is that? I mean, obviously Christmas. Christmas. Okay, well, definitely. It's definitely. I actually think you two would be absolutely fucking brilliant to hang out with. We are. Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry about that. Well, well, I am. Ouch. Okay, cool. Cool, 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 cool. Thank you so much, guys. Have Thank a great you. And, uh, yeah, take care. Have a wicked week. And you, see ya. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review, and we'll see you next week. And to find out more about our Pathway to Recovery, please visit our website.